Welcome to Chasing Happiness podcast about life lessons and issues that impact our lives. Some of the best episodes are where we take an honest look at current events, discuss how they might affect you, all while being completely transparent in tone from host Ryan Dement who tells his stories with honesty combined with humor for your listening pleasure. Let's get to it. Here is your host, Ryan Dement. Hey guys, Ryan Dement, Chasing Happiness podcast, episode number two. Want to welcome you guys in for this episode. We have a special guest, and this guest is going to share her life's journey from the time that she started as a kid, like we all do, from Bambinos all the way to current life today. And she has a special story about health and nutrition and how that played a key role in her life. So I'd like to welcome in Ocean. Hello, everybody. How's it going, Ojin? Going well. How about you? Not bad. So why don't we get right to it? And why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself before we get into your story? All right. Just caught me off guard. I'm like, what do I say about myself? So I, my name is Ojin. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I work for a financial services company. I am not certified in anything related to nutrition um, or fitness or exercise yet might be down the road but just so you guys all know I am just giving you guys my own experience my own personal journey and hopefully it helps even one person so you say you potentially could be certified down the road before we get into all this why don't you since I know it already, why don't you give the audience a little background of what you'd want? This is something that I keep going back and forth on for years and writing this because I do it all the time. But I would like to be certified as a personal trainer and also potentially as a nutritionist and potentially as a life coach with a focus on health and wellness to help people who um, are suffering with self-esteem issues or self-worth issues, but also how to incorporate a healthy fitness nutrition regimen into helping those things, because that was something that worked for me, which we will talk about. So that is awesome that you want to do all that. And I know we've talked a lot and I'll give some background. I've worked with Ocean in the past at her current employer before I left the, the, how do you want to describe this, Ryan? I'll, I'll try to be nice about it. How I left the uh, working stiff crowd and decided to go out on my, world. yeah. And I go out on my own and have to go out there and fish <laughs> and catch my own uh, meals on a daily basis. So we've, we have history. We've worked together. Ocean is, is, as I say, a squared away cat. She knows what she wants. Sometimes things can get in the way, but she's able to overcome them. And I thought she'd be the best uh, guest for this second episode of Chasing Happiness. And our first guest to come on and talk about how to over- overcome life and get to uh, get you where you want to go. So with that being said, Ocean, let's start right into your story. We teased everybody about your journey from a child to today about health and nutrition Why don't you tell us a little bit about that journey and how it's been going and some takeaways. The tease about as a child believing or being made to believe that my 
my worth as a person was determined on the size of my body. I, I came from a family and a culture. And mind you, I love my culture. Why don't you tell everybody what your culture is? I'm Armenian. I'm a very proud Armenian. Our mutual friends on Facebook have seen all of my pro-Armenian everything. But it's not to say that people are perfect. And so growing up, there was this constant, even as, as young as five, it, and people would try to like sugarcoat it then. Oh, you're just chubby, but you have a really pretty face. And then as I, and mind you, I wasn't. I found pictures of myself as a five-year-old and I wasn't. But you can imagine the type of mental and emotional impact that happens on a child when it wasn't just my immediate family that would say this to me, but my parents' family friends would come over and visit and they would say the same thing. And as I got older, like the cute little chubby girl turned into, you're fat and you have such a pretty face. If you just lose some weight, you will look beautiful. If you lose some weight, you'll look beautiful. <laughs> so that's happening to you as a young child. I have to ask the question. Yeah. How did, if you could take yourself back to your younger self, how would you how does that make you feel today versus then? Or is it the same? I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, it is definitely different. So it started from just, oh, that's sad or that's mean as a child. But mm -hmm. when I found these pictures of me as a child, just a couple of years ago, and mind you, I've looked at everything before, but I don't think that I had looked from this perspective. And I said to myself, I was not a fat kid. I just had some, I was a child. I got really angry about it, actually. Like, why? Wow. Because it did directly impact my relationship with food. And for some people that when going through a difficult period, they tend to not feel hunger or not want to eat or people that are being, when their weight is constantly commented on, sometimes they feel like food is the only thing that they have control over. So they go into one side of the eating disorder extremes, which is to not eat or to eat mm -hmm. and purge. That wasn't my thing. I eat for comfort when I'm, you know, sad or when I'm angry or when I'm having a hard time. And that it, it was a trickle effect that still impacts me today. Like Ryan, we talk about it all the time. If I'm having a hard time, I turn to comfort food to help with it and it help cope. And it's not a healthy way to cope. It did trigger something that was a really unhealthy way to cope with tough things that happen in life. The other thing is you talk about the opposite people that starve themselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably that way. I would probably define myself mm -hmm. more that way than eating. And I'm with you. It's not the right way to do it either. Yeah. It, I just don't eat. I intermittent fast on a daily basis already. I typically won't eat in before noon. And uh -huh. I usually eat dinner around five or six. And then again, I'll fast all the way through. Yep. There's days that I, I could go all the way up to 24 hours without eating. And I don't even think twice about it. And that's, I don't know. I don't know how to describe that, but I would probably say that's not the best route to go at it either. It's an extreme too, but how, from your perspective, how do you work with those type of, how do you work with that? It doesn't matter if you're starving yourself or eating too much, what have you done for yourself to, to be able to work through that situation and be able to find yourself in a better place? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And, and before I go into that, I do want to touch on something that you just said, because it, it just got my wheels turning. Um, when it comes to intermittent fasting, I think there's a lot of, there's science behind that. And you know it, and I know it, we've talked about this. There's science behind that and the benefits to methodical and strategic intermittent fa fasting. And if that is what's happening and you're during your feed window, you're still getting the amount of calories that you need to, for your body to function optimally and at a healthy level. Intermittent fasting can lead to clarity in the mind. It can lead to getting a, a little bit of a quick reset for your body to function the way that it's supposed to. I think that there there is something that we should say about that. There is science behind it that supports it. And if that's what's happening, that's one thing. However, if you're not eating because you are having situational depression, that's a different thing, right? That's or not stressed. methodical. Yeah. Stress. And that is where harm comes. Yes, yes, stress is another, and I mean, stress is a whole other topic that can kill you, but absolutely. So just like a little disclaimer on that. And when it comes to how do I deal with that, present day, because we're talking about, I had some initial significant success to epic failure. I'm just trying to get out of that epic failure moment and the dealing with the overeating when I am having, when I am stressed or when I am grieving a loss um, or whatever, what have you, I think that there are a couple of things that happen when you're not in those heightened states of emotion you tend to belittle yourself in your head or look in the mirror and not like what, you, or you, I think some people think, oh, because I binge today, I shouldn't eat tomorrow, which I know enough about health and nutrition to know that's not a healthy way to think. Cause so I do not do that. And yeah. I like food. So I also don't do it for that reason, but, but the other times when you are still in, let's call it what it is, a dark place for whatever reason, I think that's when our brain starts to justify what we're doing, even though we know that it's not a healthy way to cope. If you're self-aware enough to know, I found better ways to cope in the past. I've reverted back to some unhealthy habits and I know I'm using it as a coping mechanism for whatever the trigger is in my life right now, but it's because I'm in this trigger. I'll get back on track. So mm -hmm. we start to justify it in our heads. And I've gone through a roller coaster of justifications and excuses to um to just being really angry at myself but not wanting to show that to anybody because you don't want to necessarily show your failures to people. So I think that when I'm not in a healthy state, that's how I deal with, with that. In terms of people who don't eat, I can't speak for them because I think like most teenage girls in high school, did the thoughts of not eating or, or binge and purge come to mind? Or do I know people that did suffer through that? Yeah, I do. But I've never been in that 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 side of things. So I don't think that I can speak with any kind of knowledge when it comes to that. So back to what you said, when you're in that position and your thoughts are dark and, and you're in that spot, how do you get yourself to move out of that place in that train, that, th that thought process that you have? 
because as they say, it's three times easier to have a negative thought than it is to have a positive thought. What have you done to be able to turn that around for yourself? A lot of it has been self-reflection in my head. Like I'm in my head a lot. And you and I have talked about some other things like journaling and and things like Mm -hmm. that. But we all know that I sometimes have a consistency issue (laughs) with new things. A lot of times have a consistency issue with new things. But the other thing is I saw... I started going to therapy last year and it wasn't because of my relationship with food initially, even though it's come up, but I'm a huge supporter of getting help when things are too overwhelming, or even if you're okay, you don't know when they're going to be too overwhelming, but talking to somebody that's trained to help give you the tools to help with that, I think is one of the best things that we can do. So it's been therapy. It's been trying to carve out some time for self-care. I think we get so busy with life and everything else going on that we throw ourselves into our work and sometimes expend all of our energy in those areas and don't focus on ourselves enough. But I've been trying to actively do more things things. And my, my therapist and, and you who are like my therapist or mentor, like getting out and planning things because I was actually talking to my therapist about this. And I said, you know what, I actually went out for, with my friends for whatever reason that it was. And for a couple of hours, whatever was heavy on my heart, I didn't feel and I felt lighter and it felt good to feel normal again. And so she, she said that from now on your days off, you got to make them count. And so I've tried to do something every weekend to make myself get out. Cause I know she's going to ask me about it and hold me accountable to it. So the other thing is get somebody that will hold you accountable to things. And so I found that like, when I don't want to go to the gym, because I'm, we'll talk about it, but I'm coming out of a dark place. Like the haze is just starting to lift now. And so getting to myself to leave my house and go to the gym, that's the hardest part. When I'm there, we're good, but getting there is the hardest part. But I found that if I schedule time with friends to go to the gym and not even my sister, because my sister and I are together all the time, but we, I think we're comfortable with bailing on each other. Cause you know, yeah. Um, So with friends, though, it's easier to force myself to not be a flake. So I have scheduled times with friends to go to the gym with them because I've got to show up because they're there. They're coming in on my pass at the gym. And that helps me to actually force myself to get ready and go. So I got to ask the question. They're coming in on your pass. I get that. Is that the only thing that's motivating you to go because you scheduled it and they're coming in on your pass or is there something underlying? It's more like I have a gym pass that allows me to bring in. And so sometimes when my friends want to do something, like, hey, do you want to come to the gym? I can get you in. And it is strategic of me to say, hey, let's go to the gym because then I've got to show up. So it's a strategic thing for me to rather than go out to eat, because that's, I think, what the norm is when you're hanging out with friends is doing something that involves food, which is not always healthy food. Sometimes it isn't. But (laughs) hey, let's go to the gym. I can get you in. It's my way of, okay, now I have to show up. I like it. It's simple, but it works for you. It does. So 
so you start with that. You're going out and doing things on the weekend, making your days count. So what other things can you talk about that could help people listening to the podcast get through those dark times in those tough places that you've been or tips, tricks, whatever? I don't know what you want to call it, but you've already started talking about getting help, which is the first thing. And maybe can we talk a little bit about, I, I say it because I hear it on a daily basis from people uh, that are in the affordable housing space that they're embarrassed to get help with their financial stuff, credit. So mm-hmm. I can only imagine what it's like when you're down on yourself and you're in the wrong, you're in the bad place. That's got to be even worse. So how does one work with that in, in that space and be able to overcome and get help or try to find things that work for them to start moving out? Or as you said, if I remember right, the the, the fog is starting to clear. Yeah. Yeah. So with me, it was time, right? There's that cliche saying that time heals everything. And I think that's true to a point. You start to, the pain of whatever you've gone through and and full disclosure, guys, because we're talking about, I had some significant success. We'll go back and talk about that. But epic failure for me, it's been situational depression. In the course of a year and a half, I lost a friend of 19 years very unexpectedly. I lost my 14-year-old dog. It was quick. I lost my 14-year-old, he would have been 14-year-old um, cat in a very traumatic way. I And I had some major PTSD from how all of that happened. And then my last baby, I I lost due to bone cancer. And this happened in the course of 11 months. And then it's, with my friend's death, it was a year and a half. It's a lot. It I, lost, I lost Bob and I understand what you're going through, but you got a lot on your plate. Yeah. So it's when you're, and I think that most people understand the, the love that people have for their fur babies. And to you and me, those are our children. That is our family and Amen. my babies. <laughs> yeah. They are spoiled. They deserve the world. And they are my whole heart. They are your whole heart. For you, Bob and Red, like they were your whole heart. So to lose one is so extremely hard. But to lose three in less than a year, that was, it was the hardest time of my life. Uh, And then a childhood friend died from COVID, found out that my aunt was in a coma due to COVID. It just felt like things kept happening. And Every single time that I tried to finally get to a place where I was back on track, something else happened and brought me back down. And because I hadn't had enough time of consistently better behavior or better habits, it was much easier to fall back off track and much easier to go back to, I need fries to deal with this, whatever, if it's fries, <laughs> if it's pizza, whatever it is, but it, it's easier to do that when you're in those places and something is fresh and it's raw and you haven't had enough time to deal with and process and heal from the last thing that happened. So time I think, and obviously therapy, but also for me, I went through a period where I got myself into the best shape that I was ever in. And it's not 
a, a looks thing or a whatever, but you, when you feel healthy and when you're not feeling lethargic because you're eating foods that make you feel that way, when you're not feeling lethargic because you're carrying extra weight that you know what it's like not to carry that extra weight. And when you have that now, again, it's exhausting. It's almost as exhausting as the depression itself for me. I can't speak for everybody else, but for me it is. And you get to a point where you feel, I, I think I said this to you last week, you feel sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. And when that fog or that haze starts to lift, you, you realize, okay, I need to change something because my life is not healthy. My life is not something that I look forward to every day. And I, I need to be in a healthier space emotionally and mentally and physically to feel happier because that's how I felt when I was in that space. From there, for me, progress is the other thing. When you can see tangible progress, so you can fit into pants that you couldn't fit into before, or, and the scale <laughs> is not the biggest thing, but when you do see numbers go down on the scale, or I remember once I posted on Facebook that I was doing some shrugs with the octagon bar and my deltoids popped out in the mirror and I saw them. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can see these muscles. Like when you start, <laughs> or when you feel like I can now lift more weight than I could a week ago or a month ago, that progress is addicting to me and not in an unhealthy way, addicting like my coffee addiction, but, but that you, that you put junk in. Yeah. Yeah. Just cream, just a little creamer or sometimes uh -huh. protein powder. Uh -huh. okay. Yeah. We'll go with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that progress helps to drive me because you it feels good to know that you've overcome something that was once hard. And then you're like, what else can I do? And for me, it's, can I add more weight? Can I squat heavier this week than I could last week? For runners, it might be, can I run one more mile without stopping? For hikers, it might be, can I climb Mount Everest? I don't know. Like I would never want to do that personally. <laughs> so, but whatever that progress is, when you're doing something that you are trying to, you're doing something to become a better version of yourself and that you're moving the needle I think that for most people, that would be a driving factor to continue to do that thing. So before, before we get there and keep on going, I yeah. want to back up because you, you said the thing that we've always talked about is you got sick and tired and it's my analogy is you hit rock bottom or you're yep. just there and you're ready to make a rebound. Yeah. So how do you tell somebody that is in this position where the cloud is starting to lift, but it's not quite there. They're struggling. They're getting help, which is great, or they're going to get help. But what other little things can they do to help lift the fog from your perspective? I think it's encouragement. I think that for those of us who may have been able to achieve certain things, it might be easy to say, just do this and continuously say, just do this. I promise you'll feel better. Ultimately, I didn't first lose weight or really take my health seriously until I was ready to do it. So mm -hmm. I don't think you can tell anybody anything or force anybody to do anything, but I think encouragement or invitation. Tell me about invitations. That's a new one. If you're wanting to encourage somebody that you love 
to do something healthy, it might be something little, maybe because they have hold themselves up in their house for months and they need to get out. Hey, do you want to take this paint class with me? Or, hey, do you want to go walk my dog with me? You know, it, something small like that, because I'm telling you that before the fog started to lift for me that I told you, that's exactly what I told my therapist, went out this weekend. And at first it was obligatory because something had been planned with my group of friends and it feels obligatory when you're not in a healthy emotional state, but you let, you make yourself go. You may have to force yourself to do your hair, do your makeup and put on clothes and and you are dragging. It feels like there's one of those cartoon chain things with like cannonballs. And it feels like that, but when you get out and you're around somebody or a group of people that do lift you up that do make you laugh that do that do bring positivity into your life you don't even you don't always realize it until later you know what for that two hours that I was out I felt happy I felt normal so I think that if you were wanting to tell somebody who's in a hard place right now that is getting help but isn't quite there, I would I would say invite them to do something small, but it gets them out of the house. Or for some people, they may need some tougher love. Like you have to come out to dinner with me. It's my birthday and you're my best friend. You know what I mean? So you may have to guilt trip someone, but I I think that the focus should be on the activity and not you should do this because it's good for you. Because I think that, especially for anyone who's as stubborn as I am, that's when you should shut down (laughs) is when someone's telling you what's good for you or telling you what to do. Exactly. And it's being told what to do doesn't work. And I'm, I'm with you. It doesn't matter for me. It doesn't matter if it's about mental health or your life or whatever, but somebody that tells you what to do all the time, but potentially doesn't do it one or two just keeps on telling you instead of trying to support you. It it just doesn't work. It ends up being a flop. And in, in my words, it's a bunch of hooey from St. Louis and, and I tune those people out and it's, I try to never walk in somebody else's shoes because I don't know how to walk in their shoes, but I can try to help and support as much as I can. But sometimes I can fall into the same trap of, trying to push too hard and you have to pull back and make sure that, Hey, you're not in their shoes. You have to give them their space. You got to give them their time, but you also need to be there. And Mm -hmm. something I've learned over time is I've become pretty decent at listening, just shutting my mouth and listening. And I Mm -hmm. think that's a huge help. I know it's a help for me. If someone wants to listen, that helps me at least get some of the crap off my chest and be able to move forward and help with that fog. But the pushing pieces is the piece that I just say, Hey, I, I just shut down and I just tune it out and, and I move on. Yep. And it's just, it, it's not a good place to be. And it's hard. And we all go through a lot of things in life, but at the same time, there's a, you and I've talked about this. We have a finite amount of days on this earth and and time is our most valuable asset. And mm-hmm. if we don't utilize time and to our benefit, we're losing everything because we can only change what's right now in front of us in three seconds and uh, three seconds ahead of us, everything in the past is gone. So you really yeah. can't, you can't change that. Can we learn from it? Yes, but you can't change it. And it's a lot of people live in the past and 
I, I personally struggle with that because mm -hmm. I try not to live in the past and people that do, I, I really have a soft spot for them in helping people out with their finances in the affordable housing space is tough for me at times because these people think no one cares about them. No one's going to help them. They can't get credit. They can't buy a house. They can't do this. They can't do that. Instead of, okay, focus on here's where I'm at today. Here's mm -hmm. everything that's going on. And then start taking the baby steps to be able to move forward. And I don't, I think people just get overwhelmed and it's, it becomes too much and mm -hmm. they shut down and, and nothing happens. And that's tough. That's very that's tough, but you can only do so much to help somebody. But yep. at the same time, you got to care about them also. So you've got to, there's a fine, there's a fine balancing act there. Yeah, I think we do sometimes get pigeonholed into our agenda when we want to help someone is I'm going to help this person do this or because I know they want to, but they're not doing it. So I'm going to, I'm going to be that driving force, but we can't pigeonhole ourselves into that space because like you said, that's what people are going to shut down. And with people feeling in the affordable housing industry that nobody cares about them and no one's going to help them. Some of that probably stems from past experiences of being told no. And I think when it comes to um, weight loss, I think it that overwhelming feeling happens because we immediately go to, I have to lose this much weight. And that number might be daunting. It might be scary. It might be, how am I supposed to, how do I even do that? Rather than breaking things up into smaller pieces of mm -hmm. the, or smaller short-term goals versus what's your end game, right? Like you can have your North star, your end game there, but if you're just looking at that final number, that number might be scary and it might be overwhelming and it might make you spiral and think of, okay, I have to do all these things and I have to make this change tomorrow. And it's not, it's not sustainable. No, it's not. But at the same time, when you get overwhelmed, you shut down too. And you, yes. you brought up some good points. So I want to wrap it up and start getting this back to the end here. So okay. takeaways from all of this is I'm looking at a way that we potentially can help people going forward. And you have some great ideas. So I'd love to have you summarize what you think you can provide for people with that are in that place. They want to get out things that have helped you. And we're not giving any type of therapy or anything like that. We're just sharing ideas amongst friends here. What do you think you can, what do you think could benefit our listeners from your actions and from what you've learned in your life? Yeah, so I think that in summary of what we've already talked about is making that time for yourself. Ultimately, if that's not happening, you're not going to be able to create a plan to take the action that you need to help yourself out. When it comes to my own personal success part of my health journey, I got help there too. I was originally put on a meal plan by um, a friend who was working at Vasa at the time. And that's how I lost my first 20, 25 pounds. But I also had, again, someone to hold me accountable. And then the next 40, 45 pounds I lost because I did the insanity program twice over. But I posted that on Facebook for it to be an accountability thing. Mm -hmm. 
once it became routine, people came up to me and said that I inspired them because they saw my progress. And to me, that was even more of a responsibility of continuing to do better on this journey, but also what can I do to help? And I think one of the biggest issues that we have for people that are wanting to take on a journey like this is a lot of people don't know how to eat healthy. And a lot of people think that it is unseasoned food that's chicken and brown rice and broccoli, and that's it. But in my like it, at my best, I, we were getting creative with foods and seasonings and stuff. We're all there. We found healthy, but also delicious alternatives for things um, that we wanted to do. And I started sharing recipes because people would ask me about it all the time. And if that, if I could help someone find a healthier way to do something, then I would do that too. So I think the other thing is when you start to do well, if you can teach someone, I think that helps us learn. Yeah. Finding somebody to help is going to help you help yourself. So I think that would be, those would be the takeaways is um, in terms of summarizing what we've talked about and then adding a sprinkling in, in a little bit of what we didn't get to, but I think well, it's we're, also- we're saving that for another show. Cause you got to come back and start talking about your, this is just the starting point. We did. I just wanted to let everybody know where we're at type of a thing. So this is yeah. just a starting point. All right, Ojin, well, thank you for coming on today. It was very awesome that you shared your life. I know it took a lot to uh, put it out there, but thank you for coming on and I will be talking to you later. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to the Chasing Happiness podcast. Please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.